was sort of a special sort of insecurity slash shame brewing inside me of all they see when they see that you're with him is you're straight. And again, this is all me talking to myself, but it doesn't come from nowhere. Welcome to Fake Names, Real Love, a series where anonymous Columbia students tell us about their experiences with love, relationships, hookups, romance, sex, friendship, and everything in between. All names have been changed to protect the privacy of those interviewed. In this episode, we're talking to Sarah, a junior at Barnard, about her experience as a bisexual woman dating a man while existing in a heavily queer space. She speaks on the particular difficulties of connecting with other queer people and feeling welcome in queer spaces as a result of her relationship with her current boyfriend. She offers advice to people who may be in similar situations as well. We also delve into topics like internal versus external validation, how unique it is that Columbia can feel like a place where being gay is the norm, and whether or not straight people belong in queer spaces. My name is Sarah. I use she, her pronouns. I go to Barnard. I'm a junior. So let's just start at the beginning. How did you and this person meet? The year is 2020. Everything is shut down. Barnard just sent that horrific, you're not getting housing email. And my parents and I, we sat down, we talked about it, and they were like, well, you're going to be miserable if you stay with us. So find roommates and go live in New York. Which is a bit insane. It was kind of crazy. Um, And, you know, I had just recently, a couple months before in the summer, broken up with my fifth boyfriend (laughs) at the time. (laughs) Which, you know, a lot of people I know are like, fifth? What the fuck? Like, I didn't even date in high school. I didn't even kiss in high school. I, fortunately or unfortunately, broke up with my fifth serious relationship over summer and you know it was mostly amicable but it was mostly because I was like all right I'm bisexual I'm going to a women's college let's like actually try this whole dating women thing in earnest you know it, it was really hard in high school I went to Catholic high school too so it was just like queer dating was not really a thing I would love to hear a little bit more about coming to terms with your bisexuality. Were you in a relationship with a man at the time? Mm -hmm. I was in a relationship with a man. I was actually in a really great relationship at the time with someone who I am still very good friends with to this day. He's lovely. Um, But it was weird. It was weird being in that context and also discovering I'm attracted to women and other people as well. I was starting to notice some of, you know, my female peers, I thought they were attractive and it wasn't in the sense like, oh, you're pretty. It's like, oh, I think I have a little crushy on you. But I was still in a relationship with a man. And it wasn't like I ever cheated on him. I was never like deeply unhappy that I was with him. He treated me very well for the most part. But it was, a, it was a realization I think I made separate of my relationship with him. Like, I compartmentalized the two in, like, two different boxes. And I did come out to him, and he was really chill about it. But then it sort of, like, was like, all right, cool. That's that's there. Um, but I'm still in a relationship with a man, and I wouldn't be in a relationship. I have actually never been in a long-term relationship with a woman. So at the time, it just felt like, okay, cool. This is, like, a quirky little part of my personality that is sort of not not on right now. It's not turned on. It's just in the background. 
So flash forward, Sarah is now single with five different long-term relationships under her belt, all with men. And she wants to diversify her dating pool. And so I was like, yes, women's college, I'm gonna get a girlfriend. That's what I'm gonna do. So moved to New York, it's 2020, not a lot of people are around. So of course, what do you do? You download the apps. And I had never even dipped my toe into that pool before. And I, you know, I got Tinder, I got Hinge, but I only set my settings to women because I was like, I'm only dating women, no men. Sarah tells me that she made some valiant attempts at combing through the apps and entering the new territory of queer relationships, but that her main prospects ultimately fizzled out. She was left girlfriendless despite her best efforts. In comes this tall, lanky white boy. <laughs> I know those are not endearing terms to describe my amazing boyfriend who I've now been dating for two years, well, almost two years, um, but it happened one day when my roommates and I were like, we need friends. It's, it's isolating, it's sad being alone, just the four of us in this apartment. We need friends, <laughs> like IRL friends. And so one of my roommates reaches out to this person that is roommates with my future boyfriend and we all meet up. <laughs> and of course what happens is me, at first we're all just sort of like a friend group. We all sort of just become this like, you know, nice, chill little friend group. And then the second time we meet up, me and my current boyfriend, I'll call him Toby, um, we just talk the whole time. It's like we're in a group, but it's just us talking. Yeah, it was one of those conversations where you just don't stop talking. Um, but yeah, it sort of started with that. It was like we were talking about high school because, you know, very recent experience. All of us were robbed of graduation and all just sort of trying to process that collective trauma. That whole conversation happened like sort of early evening at this picnic. And, you know, me and my roommates, we had to go. And then my roommates, two of them like broke off in front of me while I was like walking behind. And I learned this after the fact, they were whispering. They were totally flirting with each other. And I, for days, denied it. I was like, no, guys, no. We know I'm focused on women right now. I'm not dating. But he started texting me specifically. And there was, it was funny. I sort of realized he started liking me because he used to only respond to any of our Snapchats, Instagrams, texts from like 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. That was his window of time. Because he, I'm not gonna say what college he's in, but he's very intense in, in his, it's a very intense major. And so he plans out his schedule very meticulously, which also I find very attractive. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's, he started texting me during the day. That's when we all were like, okay, all right. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> here's this guy. We're texting all the time. Like, uh, and, and it, it gets to the point where all my roommates are like, and his roommates are telling him, like, guys, this is ridiculous. You just need to go out already. I was like, you know what? Screw it. You know, the apps aren't working. I clearly, I got out of this messy situation that just happened. Um, with this other girl, maybe, maybe I should just go for this because he seems nice and we get along. Before we get to the heart of Sarah's story, I want to take a second to recognize how different our situation as Columbia and Barnard students is from what most queer people experience. It's fascinating to both go to Columbia and live in New York City because sometimes, at least for me, it can feel like everyone around you is queer. I feel like there are genuinely so few environments where someone would push themselves to be more queer instead of less queer. 
Typically, there's a norm of heterosexuality and a pressure to hide your sexuality if you're something other than straight. But then you come to Colombia and you feel pressure to be gay? That's crazy. You no, know, it's crazy. And I think especially because I'm a Barnard, too. I think Colombia, there definitely is a very strong queer presence. But at Barnard in particular, it's like... I'm taking U.S. gay and lesbian history right now, and it's embedded in its whole history. It's like, this is where sapphic women converge. This is, like, the holding space for, like, every person that is identifies as a woman or identifies as outside of the binary of gender comes to, like, converge in their queer experience. And I genuinely thought that, like, in order to assimilate into that culture. I could still identify as bi because I know so many people at Barnard that do, but I had to really emphasize my attraction to non-men to sort of validate that identity for myself and like implement myself as a valid member of the Barnard community, not even just the queer community, which, you know, it's kind of BS because if you think it, it's, it's like, well, isn't the whole point of, like, queer liberation and getting to feel like yourself not denying any part of yourself? And, like, my attraction to men is a part of myself, and that's okay. I can still be queer and be attracted to men. And surprisingly, that was just such a long learning process. It was a lot longer and a lot more complex than I think I, I anticipated. Eventually, Sarah tells me that she came to the conclusion that she couldn't keep denying her feelings for Toby. Despite the fact that she really did want to experience a relationship with a woman and feel her bisexuality in practice, she decided that Toby was who she needed to be with. I think it was like, I did really like him, but it was the denying that that just hurt so much. And like my roommates even got sick of it. They were like, well, this is just ridiculous now. You trying to deny your feelings for someone that are clearly very strong that we all can see is bonkers. And at a certain point, I just sort of agreed. I was like, was so staunchly set on like dating women because I wanted to like validate my bisexuality. When in reality, like validating your bisexuality, that's an internal process. And I'll go into that a little bit more later in the story, but I just realized like, there are only so many people on this earth that don't suck, and you've had the privilege of meeting someone who you genuinely connect with. So give it a chance. Like, just go for it. Who cares if he's a guy? More and more, as we, like, as our relationship progressed, it was the whole notion of, like, oh, I should have dated a girl, I should have done this, fell away, because I was like, this is an awesome person, period. Like, doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever, he's a cool person. And that's so rare in this world. It's so rare, I think. And, you know, for the most part, our relationship has just been this amazing positive progression of us being in each other's lives. And that's really cool. Unfortunately, <laughs> as this beautiful relationship progressed, there was this sort of counter narrative that started emerging in my social interactions with my queer peers um, at Barnard and within my own brain that were saying, mm, can you still identify as queer? Are you still bisexual? Are you betraying womankind by being in this relationship? And while that may sound like bullshit, because it is, it was very potent and very powerful. And it 
came in in very subtle sneaky forms like conversations where I talked with both my hetero and you know queer identifying friends female friends usually about you know men suck men are trash and I am here's the thing I think it's totally valid to say those things and I know that's a little controversial I don't think you should make generalizations about people I'm not a big fan of like putting people in the boxes and generalizing them but sometimes it's a very it's been a very cathartic experience for me and my non-male friends when we have been victims of male perpetuated violence male privilege male dominance like those sorts of instances in our lives it's been really fucking cathartic to say men are trash men suck they suck how dare they do this how dare they feel like they're entitled to this and i think that's okay to say in those spaces because it's what you what we need in the moment to feel some semblance of control some semblance of catharsis um which is very sad but unfortunately it's a truth of this world however it in queer spaces especially when you when when things when jokes start abounding, which they always do, because jokes are great, especially with queer friends, about like, yeah, unfortunately I'm attracted to men, or ugh, how could you possibly be attracted to men? I just don't understand it. Like, I have some lesbian friends who have just said that in joking, in passing, and not as an aggressive thing at all. But when that starts to compile, as it does, because I have a lot of queer friends, um, I start feeling like, Oh God, why am I attracted to men? But, but, but he's not like, I always felt like I had to defend my relationship. Like he's not like other men. I promise. Like he's, he's the exception to the rule. I I also have this, I have this joke where I'm like, yeah, dating is dumpster diving, especially dating men. And I just sort through a lot of trash to find him who was the treasure and that kind of thing, which I, I still use cause I think it's cute. But eventually, like, this sort of self-hating rhetoric comes into my brain where it's like, ooh, but you are dating a man and you are, that your friends don't understand why you're doing that. Do you understand why you're doing that? Are you doing it because it's what society expects of you? Because it was easy, because you couldn't handle dating women and it was easier to date a man because you under, you understand that dynamic more? Or... It was, it was just like on and on and on. And it was like, am I even attracted to women? And, and over and over it was like, yes, yes, you still definitely are attracted to women. Um, but do I belong here in this queer space? But yeah, it sucks because I was, I'm so happy in this relationship. And there was all these sort of internalized fears and internalized biphobia that was hindering and making me second guess my happiness in my relationship which again is so rare to find and the fact that like I had all of that sort of pushing back against me internally and and subtly through like conversations with peers was oh it was exhausting and it still is sometimes one of those spaces unfortunately has is one of my favorite places to go to which is Henrietta Hudson's like the best lesbian bar in the city so for people who have not been Henrietta Hudson it's um this uh, queer 
slash historically lesbian bar that is downtown, um, like below the West Village. It has this big disco ball. It's like all pink and cute, like patterned wallpaper on the inside. All the bartenders are queer women or queer people. All like there's queer people that run the establishment and everyone in this establishment you can basically assume is either a gender non-conforming person or someone who is, you know, female identifying. And everyone's queer. While that space has been, like, the one bar where I feel like I can just go and be myself and there's a bunch of other queer women around me and I don't feel threatened by men, I don't feel the male gaze, I can just be free with my friends. I've also had the worst sort of internal crises about feeling like I belong there um almost as much as I do when I'm in straight bars and feel very very out of place as a queer person um and there's a story actually <laughs> that I think is really relevant um that that was a big point of recognizing this internalized biphobia and also the only instance of external biphobia that I've experienced and that was when my boyfriend came to Henrietta Hudson's with me. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning of the story. Yeah. Oh gosh, it was a warm fall evening. <laughs> I so me and a bunch of my friends slash roommates, this was beginning of my sophomore year. So we had been dating for about a year at that point, me and Toby. And uh, he and my old roommate were going out to this comedy show together, but they wanted to hang out that night because, um, you know, my boyfriend and I were very busy and we try and just find times where we can just hang out. And I, so I was there with my friends and it was so fun. Oh, it was like the dance floor. Was, it was also the first time I'd really like gone out out since COVID had started. And it was just so like, it was, it was a new experience. It was like a fun experience. I had just gotten actually an undercut and chopped my hair. I just got this drastically new, very queer haircut that I was super proud of, and I'd been resisting doing for a really long time because of a lot of the internalized biphobia and internalized like, oh, I'm not allowed to present as queer because I'm in a straight relationship. But my roommates at the time, who are still my roommates now and still some of my best friends who are also queer, were like, do it. Fuck that shit go do it. And I felt so confident and I felt great. And I had my hair like slicked back in this bun and I had this undercut and I was wearing a leather jacket. I was very like androgynous that evening and I was feeling very good about myself. And so we're dancing, dancing away. And my boyfriend and my old roommate come to the bar. That night in particular, it, it felt like it was all sapphic women, all gender non-conforming people, like all queer people, like, just super intermixed in this crowd, and, you know, they're, they're, they're playing all, like, the gay anthems. It's great. In walks my six-foot-four, very pale, very lanky boyfriend. <laughs> so there's just this whole crowd of people, and then just this stick popping up out of it, and it's him. And I immediately see him when he's coming in, but I was so happy that he was here, because we hadn't, like, been out together before, and I was like, oh my god, and, you know, I wrap my arms around him and I kiss him. Everyone around me, like, turns their head, eyes go wide, and their mouths drop. You have this 5'3", androgynous-looking person 
going up to the straightest, whitest male in the establishment and, like, kissing him and dancing with him. I, it, I don't even think it was, like, disdain or anything, but it was just shock and confusion. Like, you could feel that around me. Toby was like, yeah, I'm definitely not the usual crowd that comes here. Uh, but and, and we sort of talked, I was like, yeah, but they can't assume who you are or how you identify. That's not what we do in queer spaces. Although I had seen, like, several people make the assumption slash association that this is a straight white man. And that person who looks very queer is being very intimate with him right now. What's going on? This is a lesbian bar. Like, or at least that's how I interpreted those reactions. They probably didn't give a shit about me because most people don't give a shit about anyone else but their, themselves. But you can still feel some judgment coming your way. And I, at the end of the night, I was just feeling... We both were feeling insecure. It wasn't just me. It was him, too. We just both felt very out of place. Whereas, you know, my other roommates were going out making out with people in the crowd or going dancing with each other and very obviously, like, still presenting as queer. But there was sort of a special sort of insecurity slash shame brewing inside me of, you lied to all these people. You deceived them. You dressed, you cosplayed as a queer person tonight when really... All they see when they see that you're with him is you're straight. And again, this is all me talking to myself, but it doesn't come from nowhere. Like, you can feel that energy sometimes if, you know, I've seen it at Pride. I've heard it in conversations, you know, back to the sort of man-hating rhetoric. It just all sort of exists bubbling under the surface externally, but I feel it most when I'm thinking those self-hating thoughts to myself, but I really felt like a fraud. And there have been other nights where I've gone to Henrietta's, sans Toby, because after that experience, he was like, you know, that's your thing. I'm not getting, that's not my space. Which is another great part, is I think he also realized that's not the space I'm, I, I should be in. That's some, that's not my space. And also, like, you know, if we want to go get drinks or go out, we can go, there's every bar in the city is a straight bar. We can just go there. What would you say to people who, like, might critique you for bringing straight individuals into queer spaces? That's tough, because I understand that part of the safety that people feel in queer spaces is being surrounded by people who are also queer. And there's no sort of outside straight people who are going to pass judgment, trivialize, fetishize, like, even just be, like, tokenized. Because that's what happens in the straight world. In the heteronormative world we exist in, queer people are often the queer best friend, or they're discriminated against, or they're perceived as other, or they're microaggressed on a daily basis, and it sucks, and it's draining, and it's horrible. And I, as a queer person, fully understand the need to just not be around straight people, and only people who understand your otherness, or the, the otherness that people have imposed upon you. Um, however... I can't say that my queer life is devoid of straight people. Case in point, my boyfriend. Like, I, I, I mean, it's taken me a long time to get here. I'm not any less queer because I have a boyfriend. Because I am attracted to multiple genders. That's what bisexuality is. It is not heterosexuality. And while he may identify as heterosexual, he is dating a queer woman. So he is inevitably part of my queer experience. So where 
where do you find yourself at with your view of your own bisexuality mm-hmm. and how comfortable you feel with that now? Ooh, we've definitely been on a long, twisting character arc. Um, I think now, more than any other time in my life, I've felt, I feel the most secure. I feel the most secure in saying I'm bisexual, saying that I'm queer. I, someone the other day, actually, I forget who I was talking to, it was a friend of mine, was saying that you haven't compromised your queerness in this quote-unquote straight relationship. Like, And it was sort of a compliment to me and my partner for being in a relationship that allows me to be my full self. And this is the first time in my life in any aspect of my identity that I've I've felt I can be my full self with someone, and that's with him. And it's just a testament, I think, to how great this relationship is and how important it is in my life and how much it's taught me to love myself as much as I love my partner. Um... And I feel very secure in the fact that I am queer, but I am dating a man, and that's okay, because I am still queer. I feel like I'm also be able to, like, be secure in my queerness, because my boyfriend not only, like, supports it and is, like, a good ally, and I'm saying that unironically because I think, I truly think he is, um, is that he doesn't fetishize it, he doesn't sexualize it, it's not, like quirky thing about me it's he's like I totally get it because I'm also attracted to women and he's made me feel like so affirmed in that too which has been really really nice (laughs) what advice would you give to other people in your situation Mm -hmm. who are queer and really like value that aspect of who they are but do happen to be in relationships that present outwardly as straight Don't ever apologize for your happiness. Don't do it. If you, like, if other people are making you feel like your experience is not queer, your identity is not valid, or somehow you are now straight, like, that's bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. And it's hard to tell yourself that because the messaging can be so strong in the opposite direction. But if you're happy celebrate that like queer people historically have not been happy if you found happiness with anyone along the gender spectrum that is a rarity in this fucked up world of ours and that is a gift and like the love between you and your partner transcends whatever sort of bullshit that comes with assumptions made about labels about queerness about whatever like your happiness and your partner's happiness and your happiness together is what's most important. And if people have a problem with that, they're probably just jealous. <laughs> Coming to terms with your sexuality and discovering who you are can be tough for anyone, but facing a barrage of invalidation definitely makes it harder. Through deep introspection and many difficult moments, Sarah was able to accept the fact that the gender of her current partner has no bearing on the validity of her queer identity. But this acceptance didn't come from external validation from her Barnard peers or from the sapphics at Henrietta Hudson. It came from within herself. That's my biggest takeaway here. No one can tell you who you are. And that goes both ways. Don't let people tell you that you aren't queer enough or smart enough or capable enough, for example. 
But that also means that you can't solely rely on the validation of others to make you feel queer enough, or smart enough, or capable enough. Only you get to say who you are, and only you have the power to mold yourself into the person you want to be. Thanks for tuning in to Fake Names Real Love. If you have a story about love, relationships, hookups, romance, sex, friendship, or anything in between, you can email me at natalie.goldberg at columbiaspectator.com.